What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human beings too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how many years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual combo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. We are so grateful that you're here. So if you enjoy this podcast and want to connect further, we invite you to follow along on Instagram at what the actual fork pod and subscribe, rate and review our podcast so we can continue to share this message with more and more people. Now let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of what the actual fork podcast. Today was a big one. <laughs> Today was a big one. We even said this guest needs no introduction. <laughs> Literally, like I feel like we could just cut the intro here, but we had the amazing co-founder of Intuitive Eating, Evelyn Triboli on and we don't even have her bio pulled up, but I feel like we don't even need to because if 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 we just say Evelyn Triboli, you probably know who that is. If you don't, just Google Evelyn Triboli because she is the co-founder, the co-author of Intuitive Eating. And I feel like the reason that we started this podcast in the first place. And I don't want to ruin it because we do talk about this like almost immediately when we start the episode, but Evelyn has a big, has had a huge impact in the growth of our podcast. And I like, I don't even want to say it because it's going to conflict with us sharing it once the episode starts. But the previous episode that we've done with her was, can you lose weight while intuitively eating? And I know it's one of the number one shared episodes that I've ever shared personally. Um, and I'm sure you agree. <laughs> so yes. And for maybe, let's say for those who were not OGs of our podcast, and maybe they've started listening more recently not going to say what, but our, our podcast used to operate under a different name. And so we, (laughs) we do, I'm not because we're going to cringe. I cringed (laughs) when I said it on the episode, but so you will hear a little bit about why we changed our name and how Evelyn was, was a really important piece in that. Um, so anything else you want to say, Jenna, or should we just get into it? Yes. I do want to share super quickly, just the newest, um, review that we have from someone named Aaron underscore W-O-O-G-E, just because it's like perfectly aligned with this episode today. She says this this podcast is a much must listen. If you are new or experienced in intuitive eating, this podcast is for you. If you have dieted your whole life, start here to learn how to enjoy being in your body without trying to change it. These two girls have made my 45 minute commute to school a joy. I've been on and off dieting since I was 12 years old. And at 20, I'm so exhausted of diet culture and body stigma in every aspect of life. I'm getting married in July and have faced the wedding day diet temptation. I'm mid-size and struggle with adapting to this being my body. I have fallen in love with movement because of the way I feel and I've gotten into eating foods that I love. So thank you to Sammy and Jenna for helping me really learn how to listen to my body. I am obsessed. Thank you so much. 
What an amazing way to get into this <laughs> and to like just start the intuitive eating conversation. And thank you so much to Aaron for leaving that review. And if you're listening to this and we've sparked some joy in your life on your morning commute or walk or whatever you do, please, please, please leave us a review. Let us know you know, your honest feedback about our podcast and feel free in your review to also just let us know what you want to hear more of, because we want this podcast to be really whatever you want it to be. So without further ado, say it. Without further ado, (laughs) let's get into it. (laughs) Today we have the guest from our, are you ready for this? Most downloaded episode ever. Oh, really? The actual Fork Podcast back with us today. Evelyn, thank you so much for being here. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to be here. We are so excited. And we start every episode by asking our guests the same question that has changed since the last time you were on our podcast. But is there anything in the recent media, social or not, or in life that has stopped you in your tracks as it pertains to or relates to nutrition, wellness, diet culture that has made you say, what the actual fork? <laughs> no, you know what? Cause I think nothing will shock me anymore when it comes to diet culture. I have this philosophy or this attitude that's kept my sanity that diet culture is like fashion. It comes and goes. There's always going to be the newest, latest, greatest. But I think this thing, it didn't stop me in the tracks, but I'm thinking, oh, thank God they're naming it is this idea of the almond mom, you know, because I've been noticing that, and I, it's one of the reasons why one of my messages is that the idea of changing diet culture is so daunting, but if we can actually look at the possibility of ending, diet, ending the legacy of diet culture at your kitchen table so that your kids don't suffer the way that maybe you've been suffering, I think is incredibly aspirational. And it's not to throw you know parents under the bus, but I think it's also important to recognize the context at which how it impacts us. You know, It's profound, profound suffering, actually. I love that you brought that up. And Jenna and I actually just did an episode a few weeks back on what is an almond mom. And Uh we kind of really dug into that. So that's perfect. And I love how you brought that to, can we just look at what's on our kitchen table and our relationship with food? Because I know when I first heard the intuitive eating anti-diet message, I wanted to shout it from the rooftops and I was trying to convince everybody. (laughs) And then I think it was honestly, you were one of the first people. And we had this later in our notes in the episode that you said, you said the words to us on our previous podcast, are they reachable? Are they teachable? Oh yeah. Because if they're not, you need to preserve your mental energy and it's not your role to convince people not to diet or to become intuitive eaters. So you have no idea how much your words have helped us. Uh, well, and, and let me also clarify, those words come from my mentor, Desiree Attaway, who's my social justice leadership coach and, 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 okay. and I call friend. And so that comes from her. So I've added this a little bit. Are they reachable, teachable, and ready? And do I have the bandwidth to engage? Because the thing is, I don't want you or anyone else in this field to be burning out. And if we engage with every troll or even someone who's teachable, reachable, and ready, but you don't have the bandwidth, it's okay to let someone else take that on. You know, we need to, mm. we need to watch our own energy. So in, in relationship to that too, you know, one of the things I've been, you know, it's funny. I, I, I think I, I, I unintentionally listen for reactions on things I say. And when I keep getting a, a similar good reaction, then I end up saying it more. Does that sound weird? But what, what I've been noticing lately with diet culture rhetoric, when I've been doing interviews, I, I talk about how dieting and diet culture is suffering. It is such a source of suffering. And intuitive eating is a pathway out of suffering with 10 principles. 
And for some reason, when I talk about it like that, I get more more open engagement. You know, it's not like we're we're up with um, trying to talk about the dismantling of everything, even though we need to. But it it gets people's attention because people suffer in that in that realm, as you know, because you've done all this work in in this space. Oh yeah, I mean, you think about when people when you sit down and chat with them, and you know, how have the past five, ten, twenty, thirty years of your life looked in diet culture? And and I think suffering is a, a great word that I think so many people can relate to, but yeah. it, it doesn't have to be that way. And and intuitive no. eating is that vessel and that vehicle. So let's take a quick break and talk about therapy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've ever had a medical diagnosis yourself, or you've had a friend or family member who was diagnosed with something, it can be really, really heavy. And this is something that, you know, as registered dietitians and counselors, we chat with our clients in addition to them getting additional support through therapy, because the mental load of coping with these kind of things can be really, really heavy. I think I've shared recently on episodes and maybe constantly on episodes, I should say, that I have recently restarted my therapy journey because of exactly what you've mentioned, not necessarily a medical diagnosis, but just the mental load of motherhood and running a business. And, you know, I've shared in a past episode about my son's recent fall and medical visits that have followed since then. And just the changes in transition. Sometimes you just need to talk to somebody who is unbiased and can give you more tools for your coping toolbox. And I think that that's really important. I think it's really powerful. I know that I leave those sessions feeling lighter, feeling prouder, feeling empowered. And it is a feeling that nothing else can really give um, because you're freeing yourself from some of the space that's being taken up in your head. So one thing that we absolutely love about BetterHelp is that It is entirely online. We know you're busy. You have a heavy mental load. You have a lot going on in your life. BetterHelp is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Um, And so if you are interested in starting a therapy journey or continuing a therapy journey, but trying an online practice, you can find more balance with BetterHelp. So if you visit betterhelp.com slash fork today, you can get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash fork. So there has been, it is crazy that we have not chatted with you since 2020. I feel like I've seen you. I know Jenna and I obviously follow you on social and we've been keeping up with your life updates, but we wanted to create a space for you. We've had a lot of growth and changing on this podcast. And I don't know if you remember this, Evelyn, but our podcast used to be called Drunk Dietitian. I remember. I remember having a conversation with you about it too. Yeah, we did. And we were already at a place where we were like, why is this our name? Like, this isn't serving us. This doesn't align with our morals and values. And then we had that conversation with you and, and it just all clicked for, for us that we were like, it's time for a change for a better. So we're so happy to have you back as what the actual fork podcast, but we wanted to create space for you of just to say like, any life updates you want to share with listeners? (laughs) I know that, you know, Jenna and I know a lot about your story, but we wanted to create a space where is there anything that you want to share with our listeners, whether it be personally or professionally, that since 2020 to now, 
what has been going on in Evelyn's world. I will. And this is going to get really, uh, you know, personal. And I, I start off by saying I've got, I, I, I didn't I, I didn't used to have regrets in life and I've got two. Uh, the first regret was missing mammograms. And the second regret was eating a ginormous burrito on my first day of chemotherapy. And so <laughs> there's, there's a lot between those regrets. So uh, what, what happened was, and as you probably know, I was, to me, shockingly diagnosed with breast cancer stage two that required the trifecta of treatment. I had chemotherapy, um, surgery, and radiation. And what was so shocking about it is that it, I had just gotten home from a surfing trip in Hawaii. and I had this lump, but I thought I dinged my breast on a, on a surfboard, you know, and then I've, I've actually had to look at this. It's like, oh my God, was there some unexplored diet culture that I felt okay blowing off mammograms? Cause you know, my dad was dying in 2020. I had a book deadline in 2021 or whenever that was. And it's like, oh, I'll get one, you know, another time. Because the truth is perhaps if I had gotten it earlier, I, I, they would have caught it earlier. And I wouldn't have had as much treatment as I have had, you know, and it became, it has really changed me profoundly. Um, you know, when I made that comment about eating a, a ginormous burrito, I love telling that story because uh, it was one of those weird days where my eating was inconsistent. And when you're in chemotherapy, it was like four or five hours and I was starving. And when I am that level of hungry, I know a ginormous burrito is going to hit the spot and I love it. And so my cousin took me, got this ginormous burrito, didn't even think twice that, you know, maybe I ought to reconsider. He just had chemotherapy and it might not land very well. And I'm not going to tell you all the details, but I think the reason it's a good story is, you know, here, you know, I'm co-founder of Intuitive Eating. I was connected to my body, but I didn't give it the grace and the space that, oh, maybe my body's changed a little bit with this, with this chemo, you know? And so fast forward, I, I've just now started telling this part of the story. I got in a really real, actually, this is the first time I've gone public with this, is the first time I got really in a dark place in my life. I was three months into chemotherapy, in therapy, and I told my psychologist, I said, look, I'm not suicidal, but I don't want to live. I, I, I was in tears and I was just absolutely miserable. Uh, it, it's an awful place to be in, in chemo. And he said to me, Evelyn, you need something to look forward to. You need something to look forward to. And I took that to heart. And so <laughs> I was at a place in my life where I was too exhausted. I was too, too nauseated to lay down and too exhausted to sit up. And in that time, I decided I'm going to plan a month's trip to Hawaii to go surfing, in spite of the fact that my body was in no surf shape. And every doctor I saw, when can I surf? When can I surf? Even though I was in no shape to surf. So long story short, I finally got clearance. And my dear brother-in-law Oh my God, I was so weak that I couldn't even balance five seconds on one foot. My physical therapist had me do these, what they call baby planks, where you're on all fours, just rocking back. That's how weak I was. So my brother-in-law would carry my surfboard into the water and I was too weak to catch my own waves. And so he would push me into the waves and that's how I got ready. And I thought, you know what? I need to be flexible. It's possible I won't be able to, my body won't be ready to surf in Hawaii, but I can still enjoy it and do other kinds of things. Anyways, fast forward, long story short, um, what ended up happening during all my treatment, all, all the scary stuff that happened, I kept visualizing myself being on this longboard and looking at the turquoise wall of waves in Hawaii. And I, and I made it there. And surfing has now become my passion and my lifeline. And that's, that's in part of that. And so when you talk about the joy of movement, it gives me so much joy and so much connection. And I realize that's a lot of personal information that I just offered up. But I, 
I think it makes me me human. <laughs> you know. So, Thank you so yeah. much for sharing all of that with us. And you just inspired me to be nicer to my husband because he's a surfer, and I always give him so much crap for wanting to surf as much as he does. Oh my god! But hearing you describe it, like. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I am so happy surfing. And in fact, I was just at a women's surf clinic and this woman who I didn't even know, she goes, Evelyn, you've got so much joy about surfing. And it's like, yeah, I do. And you know what? It is so much harder than what it looks like. I've never worked so hard on something and have such little to, to show for it in terms of my consistency, but it's just being out in the water. You know, I don't catch a wave is a, is a very happy day. So Yeah. I went surfing one time with him. We were very new. We've been together 12 or 13 years now. It was like our first trip ever together. And I caught my first wave. He was oh. so proud of me. Then I got up on the board again and it t- it went nose first into yeah, the water, curled. came back, knocked me on my face. And I was like, never again. Oh, oh. <laughs> But you're inspiring me because it just sounds very peaceful. It sounds like exactly what we want movement to be for our well, clients. Exactly. (laughs) And that surfing is for all bodies, you know, and there's uh, Elizabeth, also known as Curvy Surfer Girl on Instagram, who's really out to change the field of surfing because it's been the typical thin white cis woman who gets plastered as the surfer girl. When when you look at the origin and the roots of surfing, you know, (laughs) with with the the Hawaiians and bigger bodies and so forth, she's doing a lot to to shake that up. We should all be, have access to this kind of joy. And as, and I'll quote her and she says, the, the ocean accepts all bodies. I love that. Yeah. Oh, that it's a, is isn't that beautiful? So beautiful. Yeah. And that is yeah. something that, first of all, again, I just want to echo Jenna would thank you so much for feeling safe enough to share your story here and to share this information with us. And like you said, it, we're all just humans here and yeah. it does humanize us and it, and it brings so much light to what you've been through. And I would love to hear you know, you, you shared so much about your, your personal story. What do you think? And I know we, we wouldn't know what it would be like because we don't know life without intuitive eating at this point, but how, how did intuitive eating shape your breast cancer journey? Or how do you think it impacted your relationship with body and food? Or is there a way to look in a crystal ball and say, how would it have been if you were in diet culture versus through your intuitive eating lens? Oh yeah. That's that's an excellent question. Um, you know, it really taught me to be kind to my body and to really listen to it. You know, uh, there's been a lot of pr- profound research, for example, on on, on exercise and cancer uh, treatment and survival. But there were times I had so much pain, I couldn't even walk out the door. <laughs> it was really, and I, and I gave myself grace on that, uh, including not being able to, to eat, having a lot of difficulty with that. So I was grateful for the, uh, the the foundations of intuitive eating and also recognition that our bodies change, our appetites change, the foods that I could tolerate were just so different, you know, so it gave me, I, I've always had a lot of compassion for my patients, but I, I think it's even deeper, you know, when you're in that place, you know, you need to eat and you just don't want to, you just don't want to. Uh, and so it's looking at, you know, nourishment as self-care. And we talk about that a little bit, you know, in the book and in the workbook that what do you do when your hunger is offline or actually you're nauseated and you want nothing to do with food. And so we need to look at this with kindness. You know, we're biological beings and we need nourishment. And so maybe the, the, the issue, we talk about satisfaction. For me, satisfaction wasn't what sounds divine. It was like, oh my God, what can I tolerate? What do I have the energy to prepare, if at all? And by the way, I had friends and family that were willing to do all that stuff. Uh, and, and as a side note, that was one of the beautiful things, the gifts, the silver linings of all of this is to see people just step up. You know, um, 
I have a friend who lives in Malibu, which is about two hours away from my, where I live in Southern California. And he would drive down just to walk with me. I said, you know, what would help me the most is people to walk with me. I can do my own meals. And he would, he would do that. And even the intuitive community on social media, oh my God, the letters and the cards. It's just, I still have a big stack because they just, I read them every once in a while. They're just so you know, up, uplifting. And so I think the messaging is, you know, intuitive eating is about your, your agency and your body. And no matter what seasons we are in, in life or in maybe even in disease states, that there are ways that we can access that with kindness and compassion. And, I, and I'll just take, it was just really humbling because I just never thought that would be my story. And yet here, here it was, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Thank, thank you ahead. so much for sharing that with us. And I was, I was just going to echo what, what you said. I loved how you brought in how no matter what season of life you're in, how intuitive eating can just kind of, let's use the wave analogy, can ebb and flow like <laughs> yeah. a wave, right? And <laughs> Oh my God, yeah. And we've had a few clients uh, at Fine Food Freedom who have gone through chemo and cancer. And, and I'll get that question. I'm sure, Jenna, you get that question. And Evelyn, you as well of like, can I be an intuitive eater if I have a medical disease or condition? And it's like, absolutely. And you know, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. But that's when you want to work with a professional who's trained yes. both in medical nutrition therapy and intuitive mm-hmm. eating. But I'll tell you that kind of an exciting thing to me, because my mind is still there with intuitive eating and, and the research, you know, I'm a geek. So I had somebody uh, who's become certified, who's actually a researcher with the NCI, the National Cancer Institute, and they're going to do an intervention study on intuitive eating and cancer patients. This is a rare form of cancer uh, that affects families in which you get different kinds of cancers in body parts and you lose limbs and lose lives. And there's lots that go on. And what they're seeing is that they're high risk of eating disorders because they're feeling guilty, because they're not following the healthy way to prevent cancer and all these things. And so it's actually really exciting to see this because of the parts that, you know, intuitive eating is about agency and it's about doing what, what feels right for your body. And yes, we can still mix in the gentle nutrition, but without clubbing someone you know, over the head with that kind of thing. So it's interesting to see all the ways intuitive eating can really, really apply. It's exciting. Mother's Day was this Sunday. And although I may have been a little late on shipping my mom's gift, um, as you know, Jenna, we are obsessed (laughs) with all things Cozy Earth. And I've turned my mom on to their sheets. She does not sleep without them. I think everybody who gets Cozy Earth sheets will never sleep on another pair of sheets again. You can't go back. You just can't can't. go back. So I forget. I think my mom got me their socks for Christmas as a stocking stuffer. And I was like, all right, we're just going to keep going back and forth with, with the Cozy Earth gifts. So for Mother's Day this year, I got my mom their bamboo pant pajama set the navy set long sleeve long pants so comfy I lived in mine in pregnancy and currently they're just so comfortable so because this is airing after Mother's Day I can now share that (laughs) I got my mom cozy earth pjs for Mother's Day and she freaking loved them so if mom, friend, anybody has a birthday coming up that if you've missed Mother's Day, if you want to do a belated, or if you have anyone that you love that has a birthday coming up, those jammies are such an amazing gift. I'm currently living in mine. Um, while I am pregnant, I feel like sleeping in something comfy is just like a luxury that I'm not getting up. <laughs> um, and it just, I think it helps me sleep too, also with the sheath. But if you guys want to join us on the Cozy Earth Obsession, Cozy Earth has 
provided an exclusive offer for our listeners today, and that is 35% off site-wide when you use the code FORK, F-O-R-K, at checkout. Again, that's 35% off no matter what you buy on the entire site when you use code FORK. So speaking of exciting, congratulations on your New York Times article. That was incredible. That was wild. (laughs) And I just saw actually on your Instagram of it, because I saw the article, but your Instagram actually clarified some of the things from the article that were maybe misrepresented. Well, the I'll tell you, uh, there's a backstory here that we really haven't talked. Actually, Elise and I did a live on it, but we didn't we didn't save it. So here's the backstory. So first of all, it was so exciting to get contacted, and they said we want to profile you. This was like, who are the women behind this? You know, models like, oh my god, this is fantastic. And the the journalist that was interviewing us does you know celebrity profile pieces. So thrilling. And then we we did Elise and I did I think at least three good sized interviews and it was supposed to run in August and it didn't run. And then next thing we know, it's like, uh, my editor wants me to fly down from New York to have dinner with you all. So we ended up having this amazing three hour dinner and it was fantastic and talked about intuitive eating. And the, the, the writer even says the first time she's ever been out with women who actually enjoy their eating and are not apologizing or explaining why they're eating or not eating this particular thing. But then it got really interesting. We ended up with a total of about seven interviews, including that, uh, um, that dinner we had. And the last three, there was a lot of pushback and it wasn't coming from the writer. It was coming from the editor. And I said to the editor, to the writer, I said, you know, I'm really concerned about what this piece is going to end up being based on these kinds of questions. There were diet culture questions and all this, this rhetoric. And this one I love. (laughs) It's it's a good example of taking science out of context. At one point she calls and she said, Hey, I just talked to this weight scientist and they were saying that research shows that people in large bodies uh, can't can't feel their fullness. And I said, well, first of all, I haven't read that study and I really, to make an informed comment, I really need to read it. But just from what you've told me, I said, let's step back for a moment and think about this population. If this is somebody in a larger body, especially if they've been larger since they were a kid, there's a high likelihood they've been put on diet after diet after diet or have been told you shouldn't eat these foods. And we know that has an effect on, on the brain in terms of all of the, you know, we talked about restraint theory, the what the hell effect when you think you can't eat something, then something happens to break that restraint and then boom, all the foods. So that right there could explain that. I said, but send me the study. I'll take a look at it. And uh, she sends me the study and I read it. I go, oh my God, are you fucking kidding me? It was a study on rats that this researcher used to state with authority why intuitive eating is a problem. And yeah, and since this reporter was more of a profile piece kind of person rather than a science piece, anyway, it was just really interesting. And yeah, there was a lot of stuff we wish would have made it into the story. You know, we, we gave lots of uh, researchers to talk to, a lot of our, our patients and so forth. And, but you know, overall, hey, we got into the New York Times and we don't want to sound all whiny and complaining about that. So that's, that's the good news. And from that, we ended up being on the Tamara Hall show that was really, really fun. So the fact that, you know, it was a, it ended up becoming a bigger story and it being 3,000 words and two photos that intuitive eating garnered that much space. Um, but then I had a colleague that said, Evelyn, uh, when you read that, please don't, don't I, I advise you, I suggest that you don't read the comments for your mental health. Well, so, that, uh, that was going to be my follow-up is like, since we've spoken to you, I think intuitive eating has always been a household name, 
But yeah. it, it's so much more than that now. Like I think that piece and the press that you've gotten and Sam's been on the news with the intuitive eating message, I think twice since we've interviewed you. Mm. Um, I think that message has spread so wide. And I think this is a bigger question, but I'm curious to start it out. Like how have you seen intuitive eating evolve over the past few years? Oh, well, well, there's, there's a couple ways we can look at. We talked about the involvement in terms of Elise and I evolving the model. Uh, and then we can look at what's happened in social media and media media and those kinds of things. So it's, it's actually a positive trifecta, perfect storm of things happening that we've got now almost 200 studies on intuitive eating showing benefits. So we got the validity there. Then we have legacy meeting, like legacy media, like the New York Times and other big, big media outlets who are really covering intuitive eating. And then when you look at social media, I mean, on last time I was at, at uh, TikTok, it has over 1.7 billion with a B hashtags on intuitive eating. So it's very exciting. It's, it's got, it has tractions in all these domains, but the, the tricky thing is, is when you have that many hashtags in social media, it's open for a lot of confusion, which is why actually my most popular post, and I probably need to rerun it, I haven't run it in a while, is how to spot fake intuitive eating, you know, because... We have and, and that what, one pulled up right here and we okay. wanted to talk about it with you because that's where the last episode we had with you, Evelyn, you said, if you want to be confused about intuitive eating, look up hashtag intuitive eating on social media and you won't know what the hell is going on. So yeah. we'd love to yeah. hear you continue to speak on that. Yeah. So so one of the biggest ones is if someone is recommending uh, weight loss as with intuitive eating, run, run, run away. They don't know what they're talking about, you know, and it, it just it. Oh, but there was a big uh, conference, I think, at the uh, fancy at the food at the, you know, I, I can't even remember what, what it stands for anymore. The, the, the big conference for dietitians where someone was talking about intuitive eating and weight loss. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? So. Uh, so what I did, the reason I, I made that post is so that if anyone on social media, rather getting into the weeds and debating someone, they can say, hey, go look at this post dated by, by the co-founder. And that, that'll show you right there that, that you know, and, and the first principle of intuitive eating is reject the diet mentality. So it's how is dieting. If you look at intuitive eating, part of the, the roots, the origin story of intuitive eating is Elise and I, was, we were witnessing so much suffering in our patients through dieting. One. Secondly, uh, we were recognizing that our traditional ways of looking at exchanges and trading this food with that food was not actually helping. And so between going to the literature and, and, and factoring in our experiences, you know, one of the first principles was reject the diet mentality. And, and this is all about, as you know, cultivating a healthy relationship with food, mind, or body. It's not about changing the size of the body. And so that's where it gets to be really, really problematic uh, when, when people are using our work and, they're, and they are, you know, co-opting it. And because it has become so popular, um, it is... Yeah, those kinds of things can end up happening. I guess th those are positive problems to be having, you know, but yeah, it's an issue. <laughs> I saw one the other day that said how um, intuitive eating macro counting plan. I was like, uh, 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 what? <laughs> like, sorry, every, time I, every time I see this stuff, I just think of like, what? Like, how do Evelyn and Elise feel like they must be cringing when they see their amazing work, you know, then being misconstrued in this way? So I love this conversation that we've been having about joyful movement and, you know, something that 
we don't often talk about enough on this podcast, and maybe we should, is how I love to get my joyful movement in in the morning, but sometimes it is a tight squeeze to fit that in and then also get myself ready to start the day up and running the second my toddler wakes up. And so sometimes showering takes a back seat, um, which is why I am super grateful that I've recently found Lumi products because I'm currently wearing the coconut under my arm. I love the, the sniff. <laughs> like ASMR <laughs> sniffing. Love that. Currently wearing the coconut under my armpits at the moment. I did work out this morning. I have not showered yet and I don't smell, which I am a smelly person. And I think this is the first deodorant that I've ever used that has stood the test of a boxing class. So thank you, Lumi. Well, it's funny you share that because I also <laughs> share the not showering frequently. And I don't know if that's because we work from home and we don't have to be with people often. Nobody sees us. <laughs> right? But living in the state of Florida, especially with summer upon me, I <laughs> am so thankful for their acidified deodorant wipes because your girl smells when she comes in from a 92 degree walk and it's so <laughs> hot. So very, very thankful for Lumi and everything that they have to offer, especially with the summer here. So as a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code FORK at LumiDeodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit LumiDeodorant.com and use code FORK. And that's L-U-M-E. But so Evelyn, you brought up, you know, the big red flag, right? If someone says intuitive eating and weight loss or intuitive eating and macro counting, but I would love to hear if you've seen, and and I'm not going to say names. I know Jenna and I are two dietitians and, and we all make mistakes and that's how we grow, right? People hopefully call us in kindly to say, Hey, I, yeah. I think you missed the mark here. And can, can we look at how this can affect people? If you see dietitians or other medical professionals that, are spreading the intuitive eating message, but maybe they just stop with the like, eat the damn cookie. And then it kind of stops there. Maybe they're not doing the work to dismantle fat phobia or talking about the racist roots of diet culture. Or how do you, do you address them? Do you call them in? Do you have any um, suggestions for Jenna and I? Because sometimes yeah. it can be really hard. It's a when good you're question. Like, they get it, but they're not But they don't. There. So I'll tell you where I've seen the issue. And that is with health professionals who've read the book and now they think that I can do intuitive eating as a dietitian, for example. And the, the thing, the feedback I hear over and over again from people that have taken my training, which, which you have, is there are so many nuances, both with the research and in the cultivating of intuitive eating. It's not this, this rigid thing that I've had people say to me, you know, Ellen, I thought I was doing intuitive eating correctly with my patients, but I realized I was creating some harm. Oh, and you're raising that your hand up, Sammy. Me. Yeah. And Jenna and I both talk about that for how many years we felt like we were creating, you know, for so long, I thought, okay, I can have one foot in diet culture, not diet culture, but one foot in healthy, intentional weight loss, heavy air quotes, and yeah. one foot in intuitive eating. And then through yeah. dismantling that and realizing, oh no, I'm fence straddling. I have a splinter in my ass as Fiona Sutherland calls it. <laughs> yeah. And we need to get off this fence and get over to the intuitive eating side. Yeah. Yeah. So that's part of the issue. And so, you know, to, to answer your question, what do I do when I see this? You know, it's happening with such regularity that if I spent all my energy going after people, then I wouldn't have the energy 
to do the things I'm doing in terms of creation, you know, in terms of the, um, you know, the, the trainings. And actually, Elise and I are going to be updating the intuitive eating workbook starting in in the fall. Sometimes what I will do as I do contact people, I usually do it. I don't like doing it over social media. There's not enough room for nuance. So I might DM them and say, Hey, and I would love for you to take our, our training uh, to really understand the nuances and the research of intuitive eating that. So, so that's something that you could do, you know, since you're asking some, some action points that, and actually this is up to you, but I find when you've had your own personal story that you used to do something like that and you can say, Hey, you know, I used to kind of do the same things you're doing. And it wasn't until I think I, I talked to you or emailed you and said, Hey, I think you should take the training, Sammy. Um, and then you, and then you saw the, the differences. So I think when you can say, yeah, I was there too, it, that helps lessen uh, any maybe self-consciousness around this, that if, if we really want to be doing a service to our clients and, and, our, and, our, and our patients, we, we need to really be doing the, the training and the teaching of this correctly. Yes. Thank you for that. And I think in that same like area, you know, okay, I'm third, I'll be 36 in a couple of weeks. And so I was in college. What is that? Like 18 years ago now, which is a long time. <laughs> um, I don't remember learning intuitive eating in school. And I went to Sam and I both went to Penn state. Sam is younger oh. than me, so she might remember, but I don't remember that being part of the curriculum. And I'm curious from your perspective, like, is it now more standardized practice to include this in the curriculum? Are universities picking it up? Is the Academy of Nutrition promoting it? Like, can we get that instead of the uh, obesity training as like the front page of the Academy's website? I know, right? Like, what do you think about all of these pieces? <laughs> you know, there's, there's a couple of things. Uh, yes, it's happening at some universities. In fact, when I train people, I like to ask them, how did you come across intuitive eating? And someone just told me they actually, I think it was Cornell, where they actually had a whole class on intuitive eating and health at every size. It's like, okay, yay. Some people have been exposed to it in their internship. Some people have had to read the book in a counseling class. Class, but there hasn't really been a standardized training around that. And as far as the, oh my God, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, they have so many conflicts of interest tied into weight loss. In fact, did I ever tell you about the backstory about when Elise and I spoke at Fancy? No, I know that your room was packed out I and was there, there was students oh, all was over there. the floor. Well, today is secret sharing stuff. Love so, that. So I will tell you the backstory of this because it, it kind of informs that what I'm about to say. So in 2019, for the first time, Elise and I spoke together on a national conference. And you're right, Sammy, the, the room was overfilled. I mean, people were sitting on the floors I and we're on oh the wall. <laughs> it was so <laughs> exciting to see that and the energy afterward. But what happened leading up to that, you know, with you have to submit your slides ahead of time, fine, no big deal. I think two weeks before the talk, I get an email from the, it's not a CEO, the chief off, the chief education officer wanting citations. And I replied back, you must not have read the accompanying citations of over 200 studies that I submitted, you know? And then she said, uh, we need them on the slides. Basically they audited our slides. I've never had that happen before. And it had, especially a pushback with health at every size and some of the, especially the health at every size and the anti-dieting message. They really had a problem with that. But it's like, you know what? I'm so research-based. It was not a problem putting the, the studies on the slides. So I did that. And I talked to other speakers and they didn't go through that kind of audit thing. So 
that was really disappointing to see when they had people speaking at that time on keto and other other kinds of of, of things. So I would I would love to see our profession get behind intuitive eating. In fact, I can't tell you the amount of dietitians who I've talked to and trained over the years who are thinking about giving up their careers because they really were just sick of working in this weight-centric model. And then by some way, they discovered intuitive eating. And it's like, oh my God, it was life-changing for them on a personal level, but then working with people in a way uh, that's effective and actually feels good and is gratifying was a game changer for them, you know? I know Jenna and I can both relate to that. That's very similar to our stories where we were like, we're out of here. This is like, we just feel like unfulfilled and it feels shameful. And then we found intuitive eating, but to go on top of your story, that is amazing to hear about the, how the room was packed out, but that is very disappointing that you were treated differently with, you know, because you were talking about health at every size and, and things that, you know, when we look at A&D, their, their website is eat right heavy air quotes, dot yeah. org. So I always say like, <laughs> when we think about intuitive eating and principle number three, make peace with food, right? It's like, okay, well, they're insinuating that there's a right way to eat just from their website. So it's- yeah, and yet, so and while this can be discouraging, and, and diet culture is increasing in its ferocity, I am still so hopeful because I see so many health professionals coming into this training. We have now like over 2000 people in over 40 countries, and we're getting more physicians. And it's like, yay. (laughs) The thing that I just can't wrap my head around is all the research showing that dieting doesn't work, causes harm, predicts weight gain, increases weight stigma, increases risk of eating disorders, increases weight cycling, which has its own health concerns, is that it's not looked at by the policymakers. In fact, when that uh, policy came out recently from the American Academy of Pediatrics on kids and weight loss, I thought, okay, you haven't read every study. Maybe there's some research in there. You know, go read the paper. So the part that had all the research, 78 pages documenting why they thought it was a good idea. I was blown away by the amount of short-term studies that they included and did not look at eating disorders. It was just unbelievable to me. And so, you know, what we really need is, is policy change. And something I plan to do, it's on my agenda. I don't know if I'll get it done this year. I hope that I will. But I'm going to do a weight science um, talk and just put it onto YouTube so that anybody can go say, go, go watch this. I'll have all the citations, all hyperlinkable. So at least there's a point at which someone can go and, and look and start questioning the research on all of this. It's just, it's mind-blowing. That would be amazing. And if there's any way that we can help spread that message, if we can take the audio from it and put an intro and say, hey, everyone, here's Evelyn's talk on weight science, and then just make it an episode, however we can help. That would be awesome. I will be contacting you in the future. Yeah, that would be wonderful. And then I'm thinking about, do you know Dr. Gregory Dodell on Instagram? He's known as Everything Underhand. We've had him on here before. He's fantastic. We love him. him. (laughs) I I love him too. I do too. Um, but it took him 10 years to come around with his wife being a psychologist who's anti-diet, you know, and so <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's all this unlearning and then it's getting into this place of cognitive dissonance. I think it's really part of the path, at least for health professionals, when you've been trained in the medical model that, you know, there's a wrong, the right way to wait to be. Um, and when you start looking at all this other kind of, of research, so what I encourage people to do is read the research and decide for yourself, you know, they can send me an email. I'll send you the research. I've got it. (laughs) Decide for yourself. 
and see and, and, and the harm that's happening. And I don't know if you've had Virginia Soul Smith on your podcast yet, her new book, Fat Talk. Not yet, but I've seen the book. It's on my list. Still haven't read it yet. I'm, I'm about it a, a four, it's, it's a must read. <laughs> Jen's showing it on the camera right now. Thank you. And it's aimed at parents, but the research is so good. And it's on the New York Times bestseller list as we speak right now. And so that gives me hope too, that this messaging is, is getting out there in terms of all the harm that it's, that it's causing. It's just unbelievable to me, this culture that we're living in. Well, Jenna, I don't want to finish it off without giving you a last thought question. So no, I just, my brain is just like buzzing because it's just so refreshing to hear Evelyn. First of all, your energy is just like electric, which I Ah. know is partly why for all of your success, besides your incredible brain and all of the work that you do, but the way that you share this message is it's so inspiring because you have recognized in this conversation that there is nuance and there are different scenarios where, you know, you take intuitive eating and you make it work for you in whatever stage and season of life that you're in. And I think like Sam brought up, it gets lost in the just eat the cookie that's being promoted. Yeah. And I, I just am so excited to have people listen to this episode and really understand like the roots of what this message really means and what it's all about. So I have the chills. I'm super just inspired and grateful for your time today and also kind of want to go surfing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> You've sparked the love of intuitive eating and surfing for Jenna yeah, today. There you go. And Evelyn, to close us out, before you tell people where they can best find you, if if someone's listening to this episode, let's say they're newer to intuitive eating, they've heard of it before, but maybe they, they're too afraid to jump in and to leave dieting behind. What would you want them to remember? If they don't remember anything else from this episode, but one thing, what would you want them to know and remember? Well, first of all, it's really understandable that they'd be afraid. It's that's so understandable in the culture that we're living and all the fear mongering that has been there. Um, That's one thing. I'm going to tell them two things that (laughs) I actually have a free intuitive eating guide on my Instagram, that one section where you can have a guide. And what I did is I took people through the 10 principles of intuitive eating, but I did it in three categories. The first category is there'd be prompts for each principle based on what where you, where you think you are. For someone who is ambiguous and not sure, but curious, so that might be that person. So the prompt for you know diet culture might be different for that person versus someone who's brand new at it versus someone who's been doing it for a long time. That might be something they can do. So I would say, first of all, it's it's really valid. And then go check it out. Go go read some free stuff. You know, uh, we've got stuff on the website. We've got stuff on on Instagram, and 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 see and and looking at you know how much right now is diet culture taking up your brain space. And what might you be able to be doing instead in terms of energy and brain space if that that wasn't there? And, and the thing that still gives me chills are the people that that contact us without unsolicitedly, like I'm an artist and I, my art came back. I'm an actor, my because because we we failed to. Ha- well, I think when you've been in diet culture for so long, it's kind of like in California. We love our cars, and sometimes we don't wash them enough, and so you get your car washed, and then you're like, oh my god, I can see. How was I seeing before? So that's kind of like what diet culture is like. You're just so used to it, and then there's this fear if you do anything different. You don't have to do. You don't have to go all in. You can go little steps, little steps. And one of the things that I like to emphasize is is you don't have to be 100 percent into it intuitive eating. It is so normal 
to uh, be having a, a foot in, in, in diet culture. I would not have the expectation that you're coming in all in. It doesn't make you, I had, once, I had a patient ask, does it make me a bad intuitive eater? I go, absolutely not. I had a patient who said, you know, Evelyn, I still have hopes of, of losing weight. Does that make me a bad intuitive eater? Absolutely not. But what I'm hearing is binary, all or none, good or bad, which is what diet culture is. And you can have a level of freedom and ease with your eating and your body. It's a gift you give to yourself, but it's, it's also a, a practice. And if you're really, really scared, then what it might mean is, is working with a, a certified intuitive eating counselor to, to, for some guidance. Mm. Thank you so much for all of those tips and just such a beautiful message. So where can people find you, Evelyn? Where is the best place for them to go? Oh my gosh. If you're looking for books, wherever you find bookstores. So, you know, Intuitive Eating Workbook, if you're looking to really to get action steps doing, if you want to understand the model, get the Intuitive Eating Book, fourth edition. I also have a, a daily Intuitive Eating for every, for every day, which is 365 days of intuitive eating, little, little tiny bite-sized prompts. So those are some things to, to be thinking about. And for the health professionals out there, I'd really encourage you to get uh, training in intuitive eating. We'd love to see you. Yeah. Awesome. And they can do that at intuitiveeating.org, correct? Yeah. Or they go to my website and sign up that way. So perfect. Yeah. Or send an email. Yeah. Thank you so much, Evelyn. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all of your friends and faves, and don't forget to rate and review and let us know what you want to hear more of. The more we hear from you, the more that we can make these episodes exactly what you want. We would also love to connect with you on Instagram at what the actual fork pod. We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you. We appreciate you. And we will see you next week for more fun.